Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlife. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. Hi, it's Lauren Grace here and welcome to the show. Just before we get into part one of two episodes, I wanted to let you know that there is a trigger warning on this episode. This episode contains sensitive content, which includes discussions on themes of violence, mental health struggles, and childhood losses. Hi, Lauren Grace here and welcome to The Afterlight. And my guest today is the beautiful Michelle R. Price, a light worker. She is passionate about all things spiritual and has been seen and communicating with spirit since she can remember. I feel really emotional all of a sudden. I don't know if that's Aww. you, but all of a sudden I'm like, oh God, am I going to get through being able to read your bio? Here we, I can do it. <laughs> Michelle specializes in oracle card readings and mediumship and past life connections. She has a knack for getting to the root of a problem, concern her clients may have, and is experienced in bringing through confirmation from the spirit world when a connection is made. What Michelle loves most about doing readings is seeing the emotion in people's faces and watching their reactions when she touches on something very personal to them. Being a Reiki Usui and a Shadi master and pranic energy healer, Michelle often picks up on health concerns or improvements that someone might be making or spirit is urging them to make. She intends to help the people she reads for figure out how to live their best life possible. And she's joining me now. Michelle, welcome, my friend. I'm getting crazy goosebumps on my left side. <laughs> love, love. Someone's joining us, Lauren. Thank you for um, inviting yes. me to be here. So I think that, you know, before we kind of get into our conversation today and, you know, we're really just a couple of girls, friends, and we're hanging out. That's really what this episode is going to be about. I think yeah. it would be important for us to kind of acknowledge a little bit about what brought us here. And um, I'm going to share a bit about my perspective and then I'd love to hear you add yours as well. So for a listener at home, Michelle and I were made redundant in 2020 mm -hmm. at, from the same company at the same time on the same day. And we essentially supported each other through that really difficult period. And one of the things that, well, many things came out of it. I mean, we became stronger friends mm -hmm. and I really reignited my passion with spirituality. Up to about that time, I had taken my four and a half years break from spirituality where I quit spirituality. <laughs> and Michelle was really instrumental in uh, me starting the podcast she you actually Michelle were pretty much the reason why I kicked it off um, Michelle and I started our own podcast together I did a business podcast and then I started the spiritual podcast as well mm. Michelle was one of my first guests she also fed me all of these people that she knew who then became guests mm. and the rest is history so it's because of Michelle that I have the show and I think it's so cool. You've been on a couple of times, but you haven't been on in, you know, easily a year and a half to two years, probably now. And I just thought we were long overdue for a catch up to see how you're doing, talking about, you know, your life as a medium, as a full time medium. And yeah, is there anything that you wanted to add to kind of that backstory? <laughs> 
Well, what's in my head, Lauren, is when um, I was made redundant, I'm sitting on the um, floor in the bathroom, on the tiled floor in the bathroom at the workplace that we're at. And um, I will say as well, Lauren and I were in different locations. We've actually never met face to face, um, which might surprise some of the listeners. But um, I was sitting on the bathroom floor, um, the tiles, and I'm like crying and there's snot coming out of my nose. And then I got a message back from you because I messaged you. The only person I actually messaged, I even messaged you, I think, before my husband. Um, and I was like, I just got made redundant and like this in an SMS. And Lauren fires back like all these Oprah Winfrey quotes and I'll <laughs> never forget it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, this is the worst day of my life. And then I get all these Oprah Winfrey quotes and I'm going, oh, yeah, that's pretty inspirational. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then my vivid memory was after that, I think an hour and a half later, I get a message from Lauren. I've just been made redundant. And I couldn't believe it. I was still sort of packing up my things and, you know, getting everything sort of organized to leave. And uh, I got the same message from you and I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't want to yeah. big note us, but mm-hmm. we're actually incredible employees mm-hmm. and high achievers and superstars in our field. Yeah. So it was really, <laughs> if I do so say ourselves, but I mean, God. I agree. And uh, so it was a real shock for us. And I think that one of the things that we both knew at the time and has only been solidified and cemented over time was that, you know, spirit had other plans for us. Mm. And one of the great things about being made redundant during COVID was all the support that we got from the government, the package that we got from, you know, being made redundant. It was, Mm. I feel as though... If it hadn't been then, then who knows? I probably wouldn't have quit that job for a long time. There were always things yeah. I felt like I wanted to achieve there. We both agree with that. We're on the same page, 100%. Yeah. So yeah. it just goes to show you that, you know, spirit really does work in miraculous ways. And when we can learn to get out of our own way, that's when all of the magic can unfurl and yeah. unfold. And you, you know me, that sometimes is something I struggle with. Yeah, that's it. And I wanted to add to that as well. I saw an astrologer who's actually a client of mine and she did my chart and this was maybe, I don't know, six months after this all happened. And she said to me, Michelle, you're lucky, you're lucky that you didn't try and get back into what you were doing before because she said the universe was giving you a final push because I'd had other sort of things happen over the years where I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if I really want to work in this industry anymore. It's getting a bit uncomfortable and, you know, whatever, whatever. So I had had other sort of little pushes, but I didn't quite get the message. And this astrologer said to me, um, that was a final push, Michelle. If you didn't listen then and you went back into what you've been doing before, that was it, you know, and that really hit home with me. I was like, holy moly. Um, it didn't even occur to me. Like, it was funny because I didn't feel like I wanted to get back into journalism. So it wasn't like a thing that I thought about much. But it made a lot, of, it had a big impact on me hearing that because I just thought, gosh, that's really um, a big deal, you know, that I didn't just jump back in because I wouldn't have had another shove after that. That would have been it. Yeah. Well, you tried to jump back in. That's the yeah. other funny thing about it, isn't it? Is that part of you was like trying to get work in the industry that you'd worked in for 20 mm. years and knew so well. And then the other part of you was also backing your gift the as other. a medium and, yeah. and as a psychic. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't actually apply for any radio jobs. I didn't actually apply for any radio jobs. I was applying for like communications roles and other things. So it would have been out of radio, it would have been a different area. But, you know, having said that, I was getting people ringing me and SMSing me um, saying, hey, you know, there's a brekkie role going here. There's a whatever, whatever. I never applied for any of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And obviously, I'm not overly qualified to maybe do some of those communications roles. And, 
you know, here I am still now um, doing this, you know, full-time, doing light work and everything else full-time now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I did sort of not get any real job offers or job interviews. So, yeah, the universe had other ideas. One of the things we are going to talk about today is uh, Michelle's absolute ability to tell a story. And I know she's going <laughs> to regale us with some of those today. And, you know, I when we had our podcast, I mean, aside from the fact that I loved catching up with you every week, mm. I loved sitting there and just immersing myself in your storytelling and <laughs> your ability to just paint such a vivid picture. And you do so with such a just so much charisma and charm and humor as well. It's one of the things that I just love about you. I do want to say that I think that your work ethic is also incredibly inspiring. Oh, thank you. Uh, I do sometimes wonder whether or not you take time out for yourself. You're always developing. You're always giving. I feel like you work a lot. How do you kind of navigate that sort of balance between being a strong solopreneur let's also talk about the fact that in what a year and a half you built yourself up to four thousand followers plus yeah on over. i don't even know what i'm at now four thousand something uh but yeah over yeah um and it started at 400 or something around that um pretty small but i'll answer i'll answer the first question so in terms of self-care i guess is what you're sort of um alluding to um yeah. one of the biggest things because you did mention um ashadi and sui one of the biggest things in the healing practices that i've learned uh especially those two is that we need to self-heal i do self-healing twice a day and it's really simple you know most people if you don't know you know you can google it but a lot of people know um the seven major chakras you know got a seven major chakras and it's really simple you know lying in bed you know before you wake up before you get out of bed um, or when you're going to sleep um, i place my hands one at a time over those seven major chakras and I may leave my hand at each point for maybe three to five minutes. Um, Sometimes I fall asleep and then I wake up again and then I move my hand and I fall asleep and wake up. But I do self-healing every single day and I do it twice a day. So sometimes I find that my body will just wake up naturally a little bit earlier than when I want to get up and I'll just start my self-healing kind of routine um, or regime. And then I do the same thing before I go to sleep. You imagine a light, like a, a healing light, or is yeah. it about the intention of giving yeah, yourself love really? Yeah. It's really about intention. And I guess I don't really visualize anything particularly, but I am a trained healer and I'm a master. So I guess it sort of all comes naturally. So for someone who was more of a beginner, um, you could certainly visualize, you know, pink light or, you know, that source energy white, you know, light is really good. So anything connected to the sort of heart or um, anything like that would be good, pink or green. But yeah, traveling through your body, if you wanted to visualize that or out of your hands, you know. But I do tend to, in those moments, just really reflect on, you know, my guides, my team, my spirit team as well. And I just ask them, like, is there anything I need to know today? Is there anything I need to, you know, be aware of? Is there anything I need to focus on? So it's another opportunity as well, because I don't know that a lot of us take the time out to meditate and to give ourselves the space. So for me, um, it's really in that time when I'm doing that self-healing on myself that I'm asking that question, what do I need to know? What's going on with my clients today? And I'll get into some stories later, but generally speaking, when I'm going through that self-healing, I feel and pick up on things I'll be talking about during the day. And that's exactly what's happened, you know, today, for example. So that's kind of a regular thing for me. The other thing I do is baths. So I bath pretty much every night and I use magnesium and Epsom salt. 
So that's a really great way for me. Um, that's something I do every single day, especially during winter and into spring. Um, I have a bath pretty much every single evening. And that's after I finish all my readings and all my commitments mm-hmm. and everything else. I'm in the bath and I'm just relaxing. And that's mm-hmm. how I give back to myself. I think that's so important. And I think that one of the things that we often get caught up with is maybe creating that space and that time. But what you're talking about, bath aside, with the self-healing doesn't have to take that long. No. And I mean, really, people have five, 10 minutes mm-hmm. to send themselves some love, especially if it means it's going to assist them in their in their day and in their life, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't have to take a long time, but I like to make it a habit. So yeah. when you're um, lying in bed and you're sort of sitting there thinking, what am I going to do today? Just put your hands on. Just put your hands on at that point. We all do that. We all wake up and we think, oh, what am I going to do today? But in that moment, Lauren, and we've talked about this before, I think in our podcast, mm. is that's when you can set your intention for the day as well. I'm going to have the best day ever. Today is going to be incredible. I'm going to meet some really great people. You know, I just love my life. Set the intention in that at that point, you know, because that's really important and that's going to set the tone for the day as well. Mm, so good. I know that a listener at home is like, girl, you didn't ask Michelle where her spiritual journey began. I'm actually not going to ask her because we've done two episodes together mm. already. And so if you are interested in how Michelle got started, then you please go back and have a listen to those because they're fantastic episodes. And I got, I've always had a lot of really great responses from them. Um, so we're just gonna, really going to launch into subjects today about you know, navigating life as a medium. I want to talk to her about some of her readings, how she can deal with such difficult content without feeling that emotion, how she can shift energy, um, things of that nature. One of the things I do want to ask you though, which I always find really interesting. And as you would know, and the listener at home probably uh, would know maybe at this stage as well, is that I also figured out last year that I was a medium and Michelle was the one who I turned to, to help me to support me in that, in that discovering and that journey, which is just um, continues on to this day. Mm. And um, one of the things that I always struggled with was the fact that I'm empathic. And it wasn't until I started this episode or this podcast that I realized what that even meant. It took me quite a while, let's just say to, to understand a little bit about myself, but being an empath is being really sensitive to energy. It's being really connected to the emotions that other people are feeling and not always being able to ascertain or discern whether or not those emotions belong to you. I'm yeah. really fascinated in how someone, uh, your standard of mediumship, which I've witnessed numerous times, was able to navigate a career as a journalist for so long. Did you shut off part of that ability? Were you yeah. able to, yeah, totally. that work? Yeah, completely. I shut it down. And, um, you know, it's not, I'll admit, it's not a great thing to do. But, um, you know, when I got into being a journalist back in the day, one of my flatmates at the time, Brett, he just said to me, you're not a journalist. What are you talking about? Because I was like, I'm going to be a journal. And he was like, you're not a journalist. Journalists are rude and they're this and they're that. And everyone had a lot of preconceived ideas and they probably still do um, of what a journalist is. And you feel like they're pushy, you know, they're pretty full on. And he just couldn't believe it. He was like, you know, there's no way you can be a journo. And I did. And I was for over 20 years. But the thing is we do encounter a lot of very um, full on things, very uh, full on incidents. And probably the one that really affected me, um, and this is why I want to bring this up because of my empath abilities being shut down, is when, um, uh, I don't know if a lot of the listeners are going to know this, but there was a police officer shot on the Gold Coast and that actually happened at the end of our street. So uh, he was shot dead. So Damien Leading was his name 
um, and he was shot down near the uh, tavern where we used to live. So at the end of our street, there's a tavern. Um, and yeah, he was shot and killed and we heard the gunshots and, um, and I saw the, you know, ambos and everything like that. And I had realized, I think that I hadn't realized that I'd shut down my abilities as much, maybe that I, that I had. And I was going down the hill and I thought I could see all these lights and sirens and it woke my husband up as well. And he's looking out the window. And as I got down the bottom, I looked and I could see the police tape and the crime tape and, you know, all the forensics there. And I'm thinking, this is pretty full on. This is pretty intense. And when I got to work, because we had a scanner at that point, so we still had scanners, and the scanners siphoned through like your police, your ambos, fireys, all of that. And I had the scanner on and it was going through talking about policemen down, police shot, police down, you know, all this sort of stuff. We need help. We need backup, like all this stuff. And I'm thinking, holy crap, that happened at the end of my street. And with the empath side of it, what actually progressed with that, obviously, you know, he's passed away. And we all got to the point where, we were watching the funeral. And so the funeral for this police officer is on the TV and we've all got a report on it, right? So we're watching it. We're taking notes. We're watching it. And at one point, the gentleman who'd been shot dead, Damien, his son was there and he's with his mum. So mum's holding the little boy. He was only probably like three or something like that, two and a half. And um, I don't know what she said, whether she said wave to daddy or goodbye to daddy or something. But as the coffin was being driven away in the hearse, his little boy was waving oh. to his daddy. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was really emotional. So I realized I could still feel, but then when I got up to read the news, it switches off. So it's the ability, I learned the ability to be able to switch it off. So I could Mm. feel it. I was crying. I was emotional. I had a lady in the newsroom who was pregnant at that time watching it with me and she was in a flood of tears because she had a baby. She was pregnant, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we're all really emotional. I go up to read the news, boom, switched off. I go up, I do the thing. Mm -hmm. So there's this real ability in us to kind of become almost like an actor. It's almost like being two different people. Mm -hmm. So I would be going through, I had lost pets while I was reading the news. I lost, you know, all sorts of things happened while I was reading the news and none of that affected me on, on air. And people would even say to me, Michelle, I had no idea that was happening behind the scenes. No idea. And I'm thinking probably I sound a bit emotional. I thought I might. But no one had any clue what was going on behind the scenes. And it is very much like being an actor. It's like being two different people. I remember that was a profound one for me. Yes, I can imagine. I remember when I read the news, I used to sometimes fill in for the newsreader. And I remember one time I read a story and it was so upsetting that I got off the news and I made a vow to myself that I would never read the news again because I never wanted to share those stories with other people. And it's yeah. not to say that we, we shouldn't be aware of what's happening in the world around us. I just, I didn't want to be the vehicle that was delivering that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think is fantastic and fascinating about life is how life really, if we are going with the flow, if we are allowing, I was talking to Michelle yesterday about saying how we just need to let Jesus take the wheel, you know, <laughs> yeah. and if we let Jesus or God or insert, you know, source name here, uh, take the wheel and allow ourselves to relax a little bit and trust mm. the process. Then what happens I find is that we pick up all of the golden nuggets along the way all of the golden nuggets that we need to really fulfill us and send us into our purpose. And, you know, as a, as a medium myself and learning a lot about that, I'm really aware about how your work as a journalist in particular 
would be such a tool and so valuable mm-hmm. for the kind of work you do now as a medium, because a big yeah. part about being a medium is also being a detective. And I'm not talking about the paranormal stuff you also enjoy. Yeah, no, that's really true. And it's funny because my mediumship kind of crept into my work a fair bit. And I found it particularly uh, when I started working on the Sunshine Coast and radio, um, I would find that I'd be reading a story about a murder victim or someone who's gone missing and their body hasn't been found. And then that night I'd have a dream about that particular person. So it actually started really, I would say, on the Sunshine Coast. It wasn't happening so much for me when I was on the Gold Coast and other mm-hmm. locations I've worked in. But I would start to actually dream about the person. And I wasn't scared. I've never been worried about spirit or scared of spirit or anything like that. It was that these people were giving me information and they're giving me, you know, kind of a visual of like a, you know, car, license plate, you know, names, you know, sort of specific things around what had happened and the passing and stuff like that. And I actually, I don't know if I've said this to you, but I actually rang Crime Stoppers and I went anonymously um, oh, and no. they were like, well, yeah. And I rang them several times and I was like, um, they're like, well, how do you know this? And where'd you get the information from? And I would say to them, look, I'm a, I'm a medium. And then um, they would just dismiss me. So I got dismissed over and over. And I honestly felt like those souls are reaching out to me for a reason. And the information was good. I know the information was good, but then I may not see all the letters or numbers on the license plate and they would dismiss me. Oh, well, if you can't see them all, you know, too bad. So that was pretty disheartening, you know, um, and I thought this is something that I can kind of utilize. I can use this gift, but um, yeah, it's a shame because I never actually got past anything, you know, any further than that, you know, with passing it on. Is that to this day? Because I was under the impression you still sometimes do that work or is it more for private people? It's more for private clients. Yeah, it's certainly not for, with the cops or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I do have some family in the police service um, and friends and things like that. So my interest is very much along the lines of, you know, psychic detectives like Debbie Malone and Lisa Williams, who's based in um, America, used to be UK based. So I love all of those ladies and I find them really inspirational. And, yeah. um, you know, my intention is certainly because I have worked very closely with um, Lynette Dawson's um, daughter. Um, so one of her daughters and um, she's the one who went missing, uh, Teacher's Pet Podcast, you know, all of that. So I have worked quite closely with her and I'm really passionate about, you know, helping people get answers um, and find bodies potentially and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I do it more on a private sort of basis now. Kind of like when you're on the spiritual path, you're aware that we have all of these additional opportunities to connect with spirit, to connect with source, to get guidance, to help us along the path. And I would imagine it would be quite frustrating at times to get this information and then Mm. just kind of be left without a place to put it or place it. Yeah. Well, I mean, William Tyrrell, um, after he passed a lot of uh, myself and a lot of other mediums, um, started having him come to them. So William was really wanting to be found. And young boy, by the way, because we have a lot of yeah. American listeners. Yeah. So a young boy who went missing uh, in New South Wales, um, Kennedy, I think was the suburb. And um, he was in a Spider-Man outfit. So that was sort of what set him aside from other people. He was only three. Um, he was also a foster kid. So that was with his foster mother and grandmother. And uh, at the time that he went missing. So um, he came to quite a few of us. And what's interesting, Laura, and I will say this to you because a listener may, may not realize this, but sometimes souls can actually reach out to mediums um, even when they're still alive. So when William started reaching out to us, he was actually still alive. He hadn't passed at that point. Mm-hmm. And when he did die, he came to me and he let me know. So I know the moment and the day and all of that, and it's all written down in my diaries. 
um, as to when he actually passed. And um, before that, he was actually reaching out to us. A lot of people don't realize that. I've had, you know, fathers reach out to their daughters because they had a terrible relationship, you know, all of that. And the dad's still alive. The dad hadn't actually passed yet. But the information that I've received from him about his life or whatever else to validate, you know, that connection um, is him. That's their father. So this sort of stuff happens a bit and people don't realize that, you know, it's like having a realistic dream sometimes where you have, um, you know, a connection with an ex-boyfriend or, you know, a parent you're estranged from and you think, oh, I'm pretty sure they're alive still, but that's all it is. It's a soul reaching out to another soul. So people can do that before they pass. So William was reaching out before, you know, he passed away and I had some very good information about where he'd been taken, where he was staying, you know, there were other kids involved, you know, all of this stuff. And I, again, tried Crime Stoppers and it went nowhere. So it is frustrating. And I think what we need to do is sort of utilize, because I think since COVID, we've seen a lot more of a transition happening. So I've got a psychic medium friend of mine or client of mine who's studying to be a psychologist. And there's a lot of people going from, you know, light work into that sort of stuff or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of us are sort of, you know, bridging that gap, you know, yes. from science back into naturopathy, so nursing into naturopath or into a doula, for example. So there's a lot of people sort of really balancing the left and right hemispheres that are, um, you know, wouldn't have normally gone into something like that. I mean, that's so different and so far removed from anything I could imagine. But we do that as we progress and as we sort of, you know, bridge the gap a bit more, hopefully police in a more general sense realize okay well if they can communicate with the victim because i read for cops i read for scientists i read for you know psychologists and all of that so if they start to get the message and go okay well if i can communicate with my loved one and she's definitely he or she is definitely there and you know i believe michelle's telling the truth then surely we can utilize that yeah in the police service where you know it may not be the be a landlord it may not be that i'm providing physical evidence but the job of a forensic medium, which is something that I'm really interested in, and I have done a bit of study into, is to provide evidence on another level. And that is from the victim, the person who has passed. And I'm really passionate about that. And I want to see a change in that area. And I feel like mm. hopefully COVID and everything else has led us more into being a bit more open with that. Well, I guess it would just come down to maybe finding somebody that that you can trust that uses you as an anonymous source or, you know, I've got this mm. tip and, and I guess it would be about establishing some, like, you know, giving them something and then it, it proves to be accurate would be. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, and I'm even speaking in a more general sense, cause I do have family and friends in the service, but I think even more in a general sense, Lauren, I feel like we're opening up more because I mean, I've read for top police. I've read for top police in Darwin that are like, part of the SA, not SAS, but like specialist areas and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was terrified of this dude. I've read for lots of cops, but this guy was like really up there in the specialist areas. And he was like, boom, 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 black and white, factual, the whole thing like this. And it was, it was one of the, honestly, one of the best readings I've ever done. And I really like working with people who are men. I love reading for men and I read for a lot of them. And those were logical people. And I feel like more than me just making a contact, I feel like there's a big shift at, in an overall sense where it opens up the platform because there's a lot of people out there doing work like myself for us to connect and for us to be used in that way and utilized in that way more so. Um, mm. But yeah, I do have sort of personal um, associations with the police as well. Um, when did you know this was something that you wanted to do as your purpose? And if you were to think about it as well, when you're answering that question, do you think that you ever had inclinations before you got into journalism that this was a path for you? Or 
do you think you had to kind of go through all of those experiences to really set you up to be on the path and in alignment now? I'm going to answer that in two ways. One is that when I'm from the age of three, I told my parents I was going to be a newsreader from the age of three and I wasn't watching the news at that point. So um, that's my first answer. My (laughs) second answer is as well as me telling everyone I'm going to be a newsreader when I didn't really know what that was, as I got older, um, I'd have, you know, friends come over or, you know, people at school or whatever. And I would instantly, if someone was injured or sick or unwell or something, I'd be putting my hands on them. And I could tell things about people. Like I'd put my hands on them and then I'd be telling them personal stuff, stuff about their parents, stuff about what they ate for breakfast um, or there was an injury. I'm like, oh, what have you done here? What have you done here? And they're like, oh, yeah, I just I broke that or I whatever, whatever. So it's twofold for me. I think I've always had both because I've always seen spirit as well. Um, but I really do feel like I was always going to be that newsreader. I had to do that. Spirit was very much, you know, from the age of three, who says that? Who determines their career? And all through my schooling, I knew that's what I was heading towards. I knew it. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt in me whatsoever. But I also had that um, feeling around. I don't know if an orb just went back behind you. You might have to watch this video back. Some oh. massive white thing. I don't know what it was. It could have even been a moth, but it looked like it was outside the window. And this great big white thing went flying past behind your head. So I'll maybe make a note of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it could have been something, you know, environmental. I don't know, but it just whew, caught my attention. Um, yeah. So I think it's twofold because I've always sort of had the ability to sort of feel people's energy as well. I think that when I, well, I don't think that, but I mean, I've always been really fascinated in watching mediums work and listening to them. And, you know, John Edwards and Alison Dubois in particular, I used to binge all their stuff. Yeah, anything she's I could find And James Van Prague. And, um, yeah, Alison Dubois, she's mm. amazing. But it was when I watched Tyler Henry's show on Netflix. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, and I just, that's when I messaged you and I said, okay, yeah. I can't deny it anymore. And, you know, it's funny, our listener at home doesn't know this because I haven't really talked about it, but I'm going all in right now on my time management course for spiritual professionals because mm. I really believe that if people can use their time properly and harness AI and be powerly, powerfully productive, then they can get their services and products out into the world faster. And so it's definitely something I'm I'm doing and then I'm still doing my services sort of on the side. But I do feel, you know, that my purpose, a big part about it is empowering people to find their own power within. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of that is healing and understanding that when we die, we don't actually die. And I guess my question to you is, you know, you're kind of, you were set on the path of needing to fend for yourself, make, you know, have a career and things like that after we were made redundant. And so it seems to me that, you know, your journalism background really set you here, but why is it that you've been sticking with the mediumship and the psychic work and not venturing back off to the other journalism path? Has there been a shift in your, in your mindset? Do you feel like I did the journalism thing, tick it's done, or is there room for that in the future? Do you think? I honestly, I'm going to be very honest here with you and, and the listeners. Um, Honestly, it was killing me. That's the honest truth. Um, I was in adrenal fatigue. So doing that job was actually killing me. And and that's the truth. Um, I knew that I wasn't so good. I was starting to faint. So um, I was doing, before I moved to the sunny coast, I was doing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, working as a journo. I freelanced for a year and I was literally passing out. I was literally fainting, landing on the ground. So it was taking a big toll on my heart. And um, I had a premonition. I had a, I don't know if I'd say a dream. 
I had a premonition and I was shown the age that I was going to die at if I kept going the way that I was mm. in this industry. Because if you think about it, Lauren, and I mean, you know, as a newsreader, we're getting up at about 2, 2.30 in the morning and people don't realise this. They yeah. think, oh, yeah, they're on air from 6 or whatever. We're there for three, four hours before we get there, like before we get on air, and we're doing prep. So my out, my day started at 3 a.m. I had three hours to do all the prep and work that I needed to do before I actually read the news. So if you think about that for 21 years, you know, um, getting up at, you know, crack of dawn, 2 a.m., um, it is a real feeling of jet lag. A lot of people talk about jet lag. So it wasn't even like that I don't, I love journalism. I love music reading. I love the adrenaline. I love the bars. I love all of that stuff. But my body couldn't do that for my entire life. Your body is not des- designed to be up at, you know, 2.30 in the morning no. doing that, sleeping for five hours a night minimum, I mean, maximum, five hours a night maximum. Um, so I'd get, you know, three hours in the afternoon, five hours at night. I never had eight hours straight, never in a row during that whole period. And okay. I had a download around the age I was going to pass. I knew it was the truth. And spirit was saying to me, you need to very clearly, you need to get out of this. It's not, it's not good for your health. And so when this opportunity presented, which is the redundancy, I was ready to, I was ready to jump. I was already doing my circles. I was already doing my gatherings. I was already doing stuff on the side. I was doing readings. You know, I was being a journal during the day and then I'd come home and I was doing readings in the Arvo. So I'd already had all of that sort of stuff, you know, set up. And um, as soon as I got out of it and I got this um, amazing naturopath and she was working on, you know, the adrenals with me and all of this stuff. And as soon as I got all of that back into balance, my sleep is incredible. I'm just like, boom, I just dropped straight out. When I was a journo, I was lying there for, you know, half an hour, an hour. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I got to get up and have many hours and do it all again and rah rah 21 mm. years of that, I don't miss mm. that at all. No, of course not. And I mean, one of the things that I think is so cool is as we get older, we can almost look at our life as chapters of a book, you know, Absolutely. that's the chapter that happened. I've got some skills from it, good stories, and I move forward yeah. to the next, the next chapter. Yeah. You did talk about maybe having a, a bit of an inkling that if you were carrying down that path, that it may result in, in your, in your death. And I guess my question to you is, yeah. How often do you, do you think that we get given certain exit points in our Mm. life and we choose to take them or not? And do you ever see that reflected in the work uh, that you do maybe with people who have passed over? Oh my God, Lauren. Um, How many stories do you want? How many stories do you want? Um, Sister, I got to tell you during, okay. So I'll start this way. This is in the living world. Um, there's a period of time, I think at the end of maybe 2022, 2022, there was a whole bunch of people dropping dead of heart attacks, young right. people, people in their 40s, right? All yes. of a sudden, all these people are dropping dead of heart attacks and they're young people. And there was a lady, when I did Kokoda, I did Kokoda on the sunny coast. There was a lady that did the Kokoda sunny coast. That was the first one last year. It was the first time I ever did it. And she didn't die, but she dropped um, and had a heart attack during Kokoda, during this, you know, Kokoda challenge. And I'm thinking, golly, all these people are having heart attacks. And she was in her 30s, like young people. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And I started to really think about that. And I thought, geez, okay, so maybe 2023 is going to be quite challenging and people are maybe stepping out or choosing to step out. So in a more spiritual or mediumship sense, um, I've got some examples of this where people have made the decision. Now, I had a guy here killed in a motorbike crash and um, what actually happened, I had his best friend in front of me. Um, He's come through and he was talking about being revived. So he was killed instantly, um, hit a semi-trailer. So he's coming around a corner, hit a semi-trailer. This is what I've seen in his vision. So he shows me the vision of it. 
he flies over the top of the semi-trailer. The motorbike goes underneath. And he told me that, you know, he was dead. He was killed instantly. And I was like, okay. But then I felt like he'd been revived. And I said to her, was he revived? And she said, yeah, there was a police officer at the scene um, and he brought him back to life. And I said to his friend, I said, look, I I hope you receive this in a great way. But I said, he actually didn't come back into his body. That's his, that's his, that's his body sitting there, his physical body, not his soul. And she Mm. goes, you know, well, it's so weird that you say that, Michelle, because she said, I've seen a crime scene photo, not crime scene. I've seen a photo of the accident scene. And she said, when they revived him, he's sitting up, but he looked like he was blank. She said, it's really weird. She's like, looked at this photo and she's like, I just don't feel like he's there. Mm. He died the next day. He died the next day. And he just passed away. And I asked him what the deal was. And he, he indicated, he kept showing me the back, the back, the back, the spine, the back, the back. And I kept feeling like I was paralyzed and I was like, I feel like, and she agreed with me, he was going to be paralyzed and he didn't want to live a life like that. He had ridden motorbikes for a living. He was a motor um, bike expert, like a racer. So that was his life, racing motorbikes, doing that for a living, all of that. That was his life. And he was potentially facing life without being able to ride a motorbike, not having it. He was only in his early thirties. He stepped out for sure. And his best friend understood that. I said, I'm really sorry, but, and she goes, no, I get it. So there's multiple examples of this, Lauren. I could bore you to tears with this. The number of people who said to me, I didn't want to live that life. I didn't want to be, you know, quadriplegic, paraplegic, whatever it is. uh, And I've chosen to step out over and over and over. But that's a good example because I think with that guy, it made a lot of sense where he was like, you know, um, I don't want to do that. You know, he had an opportunity to come back and maybe teach other people and go, hey, I'm like wheelchair bound. These are the things I can do now, so on and so forth. And he just went, nah, checking Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm. all about the soul's journey, isn't it? Correct. And it's not to say one decision is better over the other because when everything is just in divine perfection, Mm -hmm. you don't have that good or bad light or shade. It just is such, it is exactly how it's meant to be. Yeah, it's an individual, individual thing. And I think people forget we do have a choice. I mean, I know that people um, for sure, like with the heart attack thing I was referencing before, um, there's people who definitely made the decision, you know, and I'll give it to you this way. I have a, um, a friend of mine who just lost her father, um, brain cancer. And, um, you know, it was all during COVID. It sort of happened and, and blew up and, you know, we realized he was very unwell. And I've had this situation with many clients of mine, Lauren, where they have been very, uh, let's say terminally ill, you know, where people are like, the doctors are like, you pretty much have no chance here. Now I've seen it go both ways. Um, I've had clients or not client, but you know, her dad, um, you know, I basically, we did a big healing on him. We did a group healing. Uh, I let it and, you know, a bunch of stuff came up about the family. And I said to her, can you ask your dad to work through A, B and C, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I gave her all the, you know, t- stuff, the information. Um, she went away and he was very um, stubborn and he said, no, no, no. Not going to do it. Not going to do the work. Not going to do it. And it even got to the point where he was living with um, the mum. So his wife, you know, this client of mine's mum. And she kicked him out of the house. She put him in palliative care. She's like, I can't deal with him. So he kind of went the opposite way where he was just making everything difficult for everyone and just not pleasant. And he passed away. And I'm going to say within, you know, six months, he was he was deceased. He passed but I've seen it go the other way too, where, um, you know, I had a friend of mine, her grandmother, you know, was uh, very ill and they said terminal. Um, and I think it was like, was it liver cancer or something it was affecting one of her organs? And Louise Hay, 
great, great resource. And I looked up Louise Hay and it was yeah. the organ and the cancer and what it meant. And it was to do with her not letting her husband go. Her husband had died and it was to do with her not letting him go. And she still, you know, kept waking up and she was very angry. You know, how can my husband get taken? Very angry. And that's what leads to cancer, anger and resentment. So once I said that to her, um, the granddaughter, she took that to her nan and her nan was pretty much, she was down to 40 kilos. She was very little. It was like she lost all the weight, the whole thing, very sick. I gave her the information and this miraculous healing happened to the point where the doctors are like, uh, I don't know what happened, but the cancer's not there anymore. And that woman went on to live another, I don't know, 20 years or something. She, she has passed now, but this is quite some time ago, but she lived another 20 years or something. You know, she died when she was in her nineties. Like, this can happen. We can turn things around. The body can heal, but it's whether or not you're willing to do that or whether you pick up on the thing early enough and stuff like that as well. Mm, I think a big part of it too, it's that free will, isn't it? Correct. You know? And I think sometimes it's almost like I hear my listener at home and I feel like some of the things that they're feeling is about, well, what about people who don't want to go, but say they want to and like who, sorry, let me reverse that people who like don't want to pass, but then they do. Right. And it's mm. really an interesting idea. And I yeah. know I, I've been reading this book, happy pocket full of money. And there's this, this section in it. And I, I was listening to the audiobook actually, and I'm reading the physical book now, but there's a section in it. And they're basically talking about, he's talking about how, when the soul wants to go, the body can't contain that. Yeah. It's the soul. It, they have to be matched up or the soul is going to trump basically right. the idea. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting one. And I agree with you because I mean, what was in the back of my mind um, when you were talking was um, I deal with children who are sick as well. And I've had little infants that have been very sick and back in, in and out of hospital. And one thing that I will say, and everyone's going to have very strong opinions about this, but one thing I don't agree with, and this is me personally, is euthanasia only because... I feel like if you step out earlier than you're supposed to, whatever that is, whatever that illness is, you carry that into the next lifetime. Because I've seen so many young people, so many children, yeah. especially, yeah. I used to work in a children's hospital um, when I was in radio. And it's like, I saw so many kids with leukemia and, you know, all of this stuff and things where you kind of go, what emotionally could have been going on for them at that age um, to have brought that in, you know, to, to have them suffering like that. And my strong feeling about that is because I do a lot of past lives and the work that I do now is that we have brought something in from us um, from a previous life that we didn't deal with or process properly. And when I have souls here in my room, mediumship wise, um, a lot of them, you know, didn't necessarily process everything. And it may be more emotional. It may be more um, in that sort of sense as opposed to physical, but a lot of those guys didn't process all that stuff. They didn't talk about things during their life. They might've had PTSD. They might've seen their best friend killed or whatever. And they never, ever talked about it. Does that have a bearing on the soul? Absolutely. So then we bring that same energy in about the non-communication or, you know, it didn't deal with that emotional heartbreak, whatever. And then they bring in heart, you know, congenital issues as a baby. You know, I just can't explain it any other way, Lauren. How do you talk to you know let's say uh you know like a mother or or a, a, a couple come to you and they're looking for some guidance or support with their child I mean do you explain it to them like that I would imagine that that message would really not always land the way oh that, completely I mean yeah. yeah you have to be sensitive I mean I deal with so many I work with a lot of children a lot of infants um I had a lady today who lost her baby at four months old and it was described as SIDS to her you know she's got no answers 
But, um, you know, when I was communicating with the baby, because I didn't realize it was a baby at the time, um, because I don't always come through, you know, in a physical way for me. Um, I do see a lot visually, but yeah, it's not always like a physical thing. But it was interesting because the baby kept saying, I'm a real empath. I'm a real sponge. I'm an empath. I'm a sponge. And the mum didn't agree with me or she didn't understand the message that I was trying to convey. And she pretty much shouted at me, this child was four months old. You know, what are you talking about? And I'm like, babies are very empathic. I'm like, everything your child is feeling as an infant or even in the womb, you know, if there's domestic violence situation going on and there's a child in a womb, they're feeling that fear from the mother. They're feeling everything. Babies are the most open, empathic, you know, energies there are in the world. And I was literally saying this to her. And I'm like, babies are sponges. Why do you think people are always like, oh, you know, I want to touch a baby and be around the baby. Their energy is amazing. Their vibration and everything like that. But she was taking it a different, (coughs) excuse me, a different way. And uh, once we sort of cemented that, once I sort of explained it in that way, she was like, oh, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. She was thinking I was making out her child to be like older than what, what the child was. I didn't know the age. But I wasn't getting a lot of info. It was more about the empath, the sponge, the empath, the sponge. So um, this child, you know, I actually thought it was connected to the heart because I kept talking about my heart, my heart, my heart. And she said, well, I've never been given an explanation as to what happened. It was just described as SIDS. And I said, look, the kid's heart feels like it's shut down. That's what it feels like. So we had a great reading. It was a great connection. She had a lot of family here, all in spirit. She's lost a lot of family. But um, yeah, the child was a bit triggering for her. So I do sometimes have to be careful about how I'm wording things, but you don't know the age, Lauren. When they come in, you don't even know that. So I'm just speaking, you know, in a very general sense. Um, but I was like, you know, it is very much an empath. This child is an empath. And yeah, she found that offensive. So a big part about being a medium as well is the delivery of absolutely information from spirit without adding your own story or your own interpretation, right? It's about delivering the message as clear as you possibly can. Do you think that, you know, in that situation that, you know, there would be a lot of like, where would the healing come from, from that? Do you think? With the little girl? Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that a, a child that is super empathic has been put into situations where maybe they, they ought not to have been. Well, do you know what's actually happened, Lauren, with this child? It's very interesting. I'm glad you asked the question. Um, This child's reincarnated. Her daughter's pregnant. The woman who lost the baby, because the little girl said. I just got um, those crazy goosebumps, by the way, we said. Yeah. So that's how, you know, because initially she was a bit offended, you know, when I said the empath and blah, 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 because it didn't make sense to her. But I said, this little girl's coming back into the family. Is there someone who's, you know, pregnant at the moment or something like that? Because this little girl, because I could still communicate with her. Um, and the daughter is only about three months along. So up until that three months, up until the first trimester, um, the soul's going in and out, in and out, in and out. And so the little soul was here communicating with me, but I said, this child's coming back in. Is there someone who's pregnant, who's close to you? And she said, my daughter, and she actually lost another child, but she's now pregnant again. And I said, I feel like this one's going to stick. I feel like this one's going to stick because there's a lot of fear around that again. But um, this little girl chose to come back into the family and there's no other way to say that. And she hugged me and she was crying and Mm. it was really emotional. So that's where the healing happens. And that's why that little soul came in. I didn't even know about her, you know, Um, that's why she came in. Hi. 
Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.